The parashat Hazinu, and it's also Shabbos Shuvah. But it's parashat Hazinu because it comes up every year, parashat Hazinu. Why Shabbos Shuvah? Shabbos Shuvah, that's a little bit more complicated on what it is. What is Shabbos Shuvah? I mean, it's true, it's the Shabbos between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And the Haftorah begins with Shuvah Yisrael. But that doesn't really give you a quality. It doesn't give you a feeling of, of a quality. So I want to talk about the parasha of Ha'azinu. Now it's hard to explain, but the Ramban says, the Ramban says that what we call the Torah uh, really ends at the end of the parasha of Ki Tavo. Right, you remember that the book of Devarim starts out with Moshe Rabbeinu talking to Bnei Yisrael and telling them about all the things they did wrong and how that is, uh, you know, something they should be thinking about all the time. That's the, par- the, the, the beginning parishes of, of the book of Devarim. And then... Uh, there are many mitzvot in the book of Dvarim, a large collection of them in the parasha of Kitetzeh. Tens, uh, more than a hundred mitzvot in the parasha of Kitetzeh. And then the parasha of Kitavo, the parasha of Kitavo is, is the covenant where Kodesh Baruch Hu, through Moshe Rabbeinu tells B'nai Yisrael, if you listen, things are going to be good. If you don't listen, things are going to be bad. So this is sort of the outline of the book of Dvarim. And the book of Dvarim should have ended at the end of the parish of Kitavo. Because that's the end. How do I know that that's the end? Besides the fact that the Ramban says so, but how do I know that? I know that from the book of Vayikra. Right, the book of Vayikra, I've said this to you many times, ends with the parasha of Bechukotai. And the parasha of Bechukotai is parallel to the parasha of Kitavo. So that the parasha of Bechukotai sounds like, it always sounds like, okay, now we're going to Eretz Yisrael. And the parasha of Kitavo is also, and now we're going to Eretz Yisrael. And so, so that should be the end of the Torah. I mean, Moshe Rabbeinu dies, Yeshua takes over, and they go to Eretz Yisrael. These parashiyot that are added on after Kitavo, Nitzavim, Vayelech, Ha'azinu, Yizot Habracha, are somewhat different. Are somewhat different because they don't contain Tochacha, they don't contain... Moshe Rabbeinu reproving B'nai Yisrael. Now, of course, this is not 100% correct, but it's close to 100% correct. <coughs> and these parashiyot, Nitzavim, Vayelech, Hazinu, Vizot Bracha, don't contain any mitzvot. Now, that's also not correct. It does contain a mitzvah. Interestingly enough, the mitzvah is Ktivat Sefer Torah. In the, in the book of, in the parasha of Vayelech, we'll see that pasuk a little. There's a pasuk that says, Atem Kitvu. And the way the Gemara understands that is that there is an obligation on every one of us to write a Sefer Torah. Now, what happened to that obligation? Disappeared disappeared the Rosh, who, who, as you know, was a Talmud of the Marami Rutenberg, you know, because I said it in the past. The Marami Rutenberg died in 1295. <coughs> so that means a lot of time passed between Moshe Rabbeinu and the Marami Rutenberg. Now, the Marami Rutenberg had a Talmud whose name was the Rosh. We call him the Rosh, Rabbeinu Asher. The Rush wrote that, well, since the whole idea of writing a Sefer Torah was that everybody should have a Sefer Torah in their house, today, everybody can go out and buy a Sefer Torah, or buy a Torah, or buy some version of the Torah. 
Who says that's good enough? So that writing, the Sefer Torah, became the provenance of wealthy people. Or people who have, who could spend uh, thirty or forty thousand dollars to have a Sefer Torah written for them. But as far as the mitzvah is concerned, as far as the mitzvah is concerned, the Rosh says, the Rosh says, I don't want, I don't want anybody to think that I know you so. Phil just came from America, so he looks that way. Because uh, in America, people look that way. <laughs> so, so this, even though the mitzvah of Ketivat Sefer Torah is found at the end of the Sefer uh, Dvarim, it's kind of a mitzvah that disappeared. It went up in smoke somehow. It's not like a mitzvah we can't do. It, it's a mitzvah we don't do. I mean, it's different. A lot of mitzvot connected to Eretz Israel or connected to Beit HaMikdash, we can't do them. But this is a mitzvah which in theory we could do. But we don't do it. We don't do it. So we're in the parish of Hazinu. Hazinu has the, uh, the special, special idea in, in Hazinu is that Hazinu is a shira. Now what the word shira means is not clear to me. But we know one thing. We know one thing about Shira. That when you write it in the Sefer Torah, it looks funny. There are two Shirot in the Torah. I mean, maybe more, but two Shirot that have a lot of psukim. One is called Shirat Ayam, and the other one is called Shirat Azinu. Both of them look funny. They look different, because the rest of the Sefer Torah is written line after line after line after line. But Hazinu, for example, is not written like that. But it's written stitch upon stitch upon stitch. Like on every line, there are two stitches. Two stitches. The word stitch has nothing to do with sewing. It means a part of a sentence. Right? So you have like... Uh, and then there's a space. Right? For those of you who uh, uh, might uh, be interested in becoming Baalei Kriya, Hazinu is a good part of the start. It's very short and very easy, and, and there are almost empty spaces that you don't have to read. So it says, the way it's written is Hazinu space. If you have a Tanakh, if you look not in a like a Chumash, Mikraot, but you have a, like a little a Tanakh, like a Torah and Tanakh. So they do it that way. They print it the way it's printed in the Sefer Torah. So the one thing I know about Shira, <laughs> without a doubt, is that it looks different. That's a Shira. What other noble uh, uh, qualities Shira has? That's, you know, speculative. Everybody could say whatever they want to, to say about it. But that's, that's for sure. Now, what is Hazinu about? What is Hazinu about? Well, if you read Hazinu, we're going to read a few psukim now together. You'll see that Hazinu is about ups and downs. Not ups and downs. Things are going to be bad. And then they'll get good. And when they are good, she'll probably get bad again. And then they'll be get good again. I, I don't know if this is an optimistic uh, position or a pessimistic position, but that's what Hazinu is about. So look at, look at the psukim that we have, I have here. Peraglamid Bet. starting from Pasuk Mem. Peraglamid Bet is the Pasuk... Uh, is the parak of Azinu? Is the parak of Azinu? One second. Just wanted to look. These are just the. There's no. I didn't print the right. There's hardly any Rashi. <coughs> when there's no Rashi, it's not because it's easy or hard. There's no Rashi because Chazal did not address 
the, this section of the Chumash very much. So Rashi had nothing to say. Rashi was not a modern commentary in the sense that he invented something. But Rashi tells you what Chazal say about the Psukim. That's Rashi's Shita. Ki asa el shanai yadi. I will raise my hand to heaven. Vamati chai anochi le'olam. Chai vamati, and I say, chai anochi le'olam. I mean, it, it, it's easier to explain the words than to explain the idea. This is in the Shira. Here's Moshe Rabbeinu talking. He's telling people, I, I raise my hands to heaven. That's a good thing, right? And I'll, Chei Anochi is like a, 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 um, a, to, to swear an oath. Im Shnoti, Shnoti, Barak Harbi, Vatochez Vimishpat Yadi, Ashiv Nakam Litzarai, Ulimisanai Ashalem. That means, uh, that means approximately, uh, I will sharpen my sword. Uh, my hand will grab onto justice or judgment. I will, um, I will uh, wreak vengeance upon my enemies. And to my uh, enemies, I will pay. So, uh, so this sounds like, like a good thing. This comes after Psukim that say, uh, well, if you don't listen to God, you're going to get punished. So I'm saying that this is very much Hazinu. Hazinu is you go down and you go up. Things will be bad, things will be good. But there's no specific reference in Hazinu to anything. It's like good for all time. Like if you're in a good shape, so Hazinu is good for you. If you're in bad shape, so Hazinu is also good for you. That's what Hazinu, <coughs> what Hazinu is about. Okay, now I want to show you that there's a Rambam. There's a Rambam. On the second page, the Rambam, you know that the Rambam is a Iliyad uh, Chazaka. The Rambam is a summary of Kol HaTorah Kula. The Rambam took all of Shas, which is a very big book, and all the traditions that he knew about, and he compiled them. Compile is a word that sounds not too difficult, right? You know, you just compile things, but it's not true. The Rambam did something remarkable. He ordered all of the Torah. And if you try to do this to, uh, to Shas or to one Masechet, you'll find that it's very difficult. Ram did it to the whole, to everything. But sometimes, there's a mystery in the Rambam. And the, not often, because usually, we can discover where the Rambam got it from. Because the Rambam, even though he's a wonder of organization, he sticks to the original. The original is the Gemara, the Mishnah, the tradition. And he sticks to all of that. But sometimes, the Rambam says something and we are left uh, uh, wondering. What the Rambam say? You see the second source on the second page? The second source on the second page. Yesh mikomot shinagu bahen likrot yom Okay, Yishtabach is the middle of the Tefillah of Shachrit. Right? And Psukei de Zimra ends with Yishtabach. We all know that. That's true every day of the year. It's true on Rosh Hashanah, it's true on Yom Kippur, it's true on Shabbos, it's true on Yayotif. <coughs> Yishtabach is a watershed. It divides up what we call Psukei Bezimra from Kriyat Shema Ubirchoteha. Right? Before there's Psukei Bezimra, afterwards Kriyat Shema Ubirchoteha, and after that we say Shemona Ezra. 
That's the way the davening is organized. Here's the Rambam. Yesh mikol not. Yesh mikol not. So the Rambam doesn't... He's not obliging us to do this. He's just reporting the fact. And he says, Yesh mikol not shenagu bahem nekrot bekol yom achar shemevarchim yishtabach shirat hayam v'achakach mevarchim ala shema. V'yesh mikol not shekorim shirat hazinu. So first of all, the Rambam is saying something we've never heard of. The way we do it is, we say Shirat Hayam at the end of Pesukei de Zimra. And then we say Yishtabach. According to the Rambam, Yesh Mikomot, that they say Yishtabach, and after Yishtabach they say, they say Shirat Hayam, as Yishem Then we never heard of that. Never heard of such a minhag. But then the Rambam goes on and says, Yesh mikomot shikorim shirat ha'azinu. Imagine that. Now no one has been able to discover, to date, no one has been able to discover to date where the Rambam got this from. Who he's talking about. Which Jews, you know, in Eretz Yisrael, at least uh, now in the present, you can daven in shuls, according to almost every minhag that was ever created by the Jews in the diaspora. You don't have to go anywhere. You just stay here in Yerushalayim and just find the right street, and you'll find, you'll find a minion that davens according to the way they davened. Where? Wherever they came from. Now you could do that. But believe me, you'd be putting in a lot of energy if you're looking for this minhag, because it doesn't exist. No one says Shirat Ha'azinu as part of the davening. The Rambam also didn't say Shirat Ha'azinu as part of the davening. But he davened. How do I know that? <coughs> the Rambam included a Sidur in his book. The, the Rambam has a Siddur at the end of, at the, end of the book of Ava. It's called Ava. At the end of Hilchot Tzvilao. At the end of the book of Ava, there's a Siddur. The Rambam Siddur, the Rambam Siddur doesn't have anything. So the Rambam says, gee, I heard, I heard someplace in Afghanistan there were Jews who say Ha'azinu. And the Rambam thought that this was so important, even though he didn't do it, that he put it into his, his great work. And then he says, Yeshi Chidim, Shekorim There are special people who read Az Yashir and they read Ha'azinu. So that the Rambam says, if that's your minhag, you can do it. Whether you're switching minhagim is always a problem, but if that's your minhag, you can certainly do it. The Rambam did not do it. We don't know who had that minhag, and yet the Rambam includes it, <coughs> the Rambam includes it in his, uh, in his um, great work. Okay. So now we know something about Ha'azinu, and we know the Rambam. We know the Rambam. Now, look, look at a few psukim at the end of the parish of Vayelech. On page 2, Dvarim Perek Lamed Aleph. It says, V'ata kitfu lachem et ha-shira azot v'lamdad b'nei Yisrael sima b'fihem. Now, this Amazing. No one ever calls me. <coughs> That's why I forget to turn it off. All, right, all I do is charge it up and then charge it up again the next night. Nothing ever happens. That's only because I don't have, um, what do you call it, SMSs? So I, so I don't get SMSs, so that's most of the things. <laughs> no, but I say most of the effort is deciphering the SMSs, right? I don't have, I don't have that capacity. <coughs> so it says, so we're reading Sukim in the parasha of Ayelech, which comes before the parasha of Ha'azinu. So the Pasuk says, Okay, 
Shira Hazot, right? The Torah says, I'm pointing at it, this Shira. But it's in the parish of Ayelech. It's referring to the Shira of Ha'azinu. How do I know it's referring to the parish of Ha'azinu? Well, there's no other Shira in the neighborhood. But besides that, if you look at the Rashbam, the Rashbam says two things that are interesting. First, he says, Shira. You see the, the Rashbam? Sidur Devarim Karui Shira. Interesting. Sidur Devarim. I don't want to get involved in this. But here's another definition. I told you I don't know what Shira is. But this is what the, the Rashbam says. Sidur Devarim. If you organize it, that's called Shira. Anything organized. But then, uh, the word Hazot, right? You remember it says in the Pasuk, Hashira Hazot. Hazot means to point at something. But I know exactly what we're talking about, Hazot, even though I'm not mentioning it by name. The Torah doesn't say Shirat Hazinu. The Torah says Shirat Hazot, which means that all the people who were listening to Moshe Rabbeinu knew what he was referring to. <coughs> Rashi says, Ari Rashbam says, Parshat Hazinu. Parashat Hazinu. Then the Rashbam goes on to explain to us what Parashat Hazinu is, which is very nice and pleasant. The Rashbam says, She says, what's Hazinu about? Hazinu is about the fact that if you, if you do, if you transgress, you'll be punished. And they, everybody will understand that the punishment comes because of the chait. So you say to the Rashbam, for that I need a shira. And then I know that. What's the parish of Kitavo? That's what it is. The parish of Kitavo. If you do the right thing, okay, things will be okay. If you do the wrong thing, you're going to get really whacked. Where did I to tell me that over again? If you look at Hazinu, you'll see <coughs> that's a lot milder than the parish of Kitavo. But that's what the Rashbam says. That is what the Rashbam says. <coughs> so now there are two more sources that I'd like to learn with you. The first is the Ramban. Ramban is a little bit long, but we're going to try. The Ramban says this on the first page. You see the Ramban, page one? Pshat, as I, as I try to remind you always, is a very tricky word. Pshat, when the Ramban says, Pshat, he doesn't mean what I think Pshat is, or what you think Pshat is. When he says, Pshat, he means what I think the Ramban thinks that Pshat is. So in order to, to, to determine what that is, you have to learn a lot of Ramban, and I try to understand what he thought Pshat was. So, but in general, I can tell you that the difference Rashi and the Ramban is that Rashi thought that Pshat is always in Chazal. Chazal said it. You just have to discover it. Whereas the Ramban admits that sometimes Chazal don't do Pshat, and I, the Ramban, have to do it. That how he did it exactly is a, another discussion. But that's what Pshat is. <coughs> he says this. Ki esal shamayim yadi. Esal shamayim yadi, right? I raise my hands to heaven. Chai anokhi lo ramarti, chai anokhi lo I told you that that's the language of an oath. Chai. Chai anokhi. Forever. This will always be. That's an oath. So Adera Pshat, the Ramban says, in Yan Shua bekis oath. Like, there's always a, um, a in a shvua when we uh, when the Gemara talks about a shvua, it talks about mikitat chayfets. You hold on to something, you hold on to some object, and that's when you make the when you make the shvua. It's similar to what they in the movies when they do in court. They have a guy holding the Bible. This, by the way, gets paid for this. The guy holding the Bible, which is a great thing. And then you put your hand on the Bible. Like if you would just say, I swear I'm telling the truth, so that wouldn't be good enough. Because then, of course, you're going to lie. But if you put your hand on the Bible, 
Now you're not going to lie. That's called the Kitat Chayfet. There's a state where you're not going to lie. I mean, there's some kind of a situation like that. Okay, that's what he says. And that's why <coughs> the Pasuk mentions Yadi, right? Esau Shamayim Yadi, that somehow this is a reference to Nikitat Chayfet's Bayad. Now, either means a better interpretation or a Kabbalistic interpretation, right? What's the Kabbalistic interpretation? It's a little hard to discover, but he thinks obviously that this is a very, what he's about to say is very important. So now let's look. I'm in the fourth line. Bavur ki be'et ha'galut hishlich mishamayim eretz tif eret Yisrael. It's a posuk. Would you like it? It's a nice posuk. What is the galut? What is the galut? Hishlich mishamayim eretz tif eret Yisrael. In other words, galut means that something is disoriented. What's the disorientation that we're thinking about? B'nai Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael. So that disorientation, that disconnectedness is called, that disconnectedness is called Galut. Yomar, she'yisrael na'ata be'eit ratzon el ha'shamayim ha'elyonim. Eit ratzon means in a good time the land will be brought up and rejoined in heaven. So that, that the, the way the Kabbalists looked at it was there was the, the world as it should be and the world that was disconnected. So this Pasuk says, I will kind of reconnect with heaven. That this will go on for, for uh, forever. The second part of the Pasuk. I rejuvenate my strong arm. What's the strong arm? the arm of Gula, of redemption, of Yitziat Mitzrayim. Bioti, at the same time as I am sharpening the, the shine, or putting the shine on my sword. The Somech Otam, I give them the, uh, the opportunity, Lechoz B'Mishpatan Shel Yisrael, to grab on to Mishpat, the Jewish prudence, the Jewish prudence of Israel, ulashiv nakam u'tzarai, and to uh, and to avenge the enemy. The Hashem shalem, v'kisei shalem, v'smaskil yavin. So let's start from hamaskil yavin. Hamaskil yavin means, in order to understand, I'm not saying, understand what I'm saying. You have to be a Kabbalist. You have to know about Kabbalah. Right, so according to the Kabbalah, the, the interaction between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Am Yisrael is actually necessary for the existence of the world. And Galut exile means that that connection which is absolutely necessary has been torn asunder and therefore God is also not part of the world as much as God should be part of the world. <coughs> I can't say <coughs> I can't say that I know what it was that I just said. But you know that Chazal said that when B'nai Yisrael went into exile the Shina also went into exile. The Ramban is saying it in his way, which, mean, which is that in order for God 
to relate to the created world, it's God's created world, the Nei Yisrael have to be functioning properly as an intermediary. But if the Nei Yisrael cannot function as that intermediary, if they're sent into, into exile, then God is also in exile. God is also not connected to the world as it should be. But God is just not there. And that's how Maskil Yevi. Let's go on. In Ea Shira Hazot, he says, Asher hi banu la'eid emet v'ne'eman. He says, this Shira, which for us is a witness, ne'eman, ne'eman means telling the truth, amen. But amen is the truth. But it's a witness. Tagid b've'ul kol ha-motza'ot Imagine that. The, the, the reason that the Shirav Ha'azinu <coughs> doesn't refer to any particular event in continuing history is because it refers to all events in continuing history. And instead of talking about something, which by the way Moshe Rabbeinu will do in Vizot HaBrachah, at least because of the Chazal, Moshe Rabbeinu will talk about specific times and specific events and specific goodness, very badness. He says, Hazinu is not like that. Hazinu, there's nothing specific in Hazinu. It's all about good times and bad. Why is that? He says, because Hazinu is about every time, all the times. First, Azim talks about how how we benefited from being in Eretz Yisrael. Like God took Am Yisrael to him. So the past has details. The, the parish of Hazinu in the beginning talks about Yitzhak Mitzrayim and coming to uh, in the desert and all the Chesed and coming to Eretz Yisrael. And that's what happened. In spite of all of this goodness, the Nei Yisrael opted and that's the Chaita Ega. Right? Whether it's real Avodazara or half Avodazara or quarter, it doesn't matter. <coughs> it's that direction. These Kira, Hakas, Asher Hayamil Fanav Alehem. And this poem also mentions the anger that God had. Hachishalach Behem Baratzam Dever Zeraav, Vichayara Av, Acherem. These are things that were part of the agreement to Kitavo that the punishment will be awful. And that's what happened. And then God dispersed them. Kol Ruach, every direction. Peah, every corner. Everybody knows that this is in fact what happened. And so, Shirat Hayam is about the timelessness of history. And history for the Jewish people is trying to do good, being unsuccessful, getting punished, returning. That's history. And that's what the parasha of, of Azinu is about. <coughs> and when you read this poem, it says, Basof Yashiv Nakam Tzarav Umisanav and it says clearly that at the end we will emerge victorious and the enemy will be done in Batam. Because they are also guilty. Guiltier than we are, right? That's the answer to the famous question of what the Egyptians, why the Egyptians were punished in Yitzhak Mitzrayim. After all, they were just the divine agents. They did what God wanted to happen to B'nai Yisrael. So the answer, the Ramban says, the Ramban says, is that they did more than they had to do. 
that they expressed their own wickedness. And for that wickedness, they were punished. They weren't punished for punishing B'nai Yisrael, they were punished for being Egyptians. That's what the Ramam says, that's what the Ramban, that's what the Ramban says. Uh, so this was the obligation. But they certainly accepted this obligation of getting rid of Abu Zarah and doing the, the, the non-Jews. They weren't always successful. <coughs> there are six of the wide lines. The middle. Ki alecha horadnu that we kind of, uh, we caused dismay with God. We, were, we made God angry and annoyed. In came the son of Toshel, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, HaSubanu Kol HaRaota Eva. Vem Tzarava Misanava, Lav Lehina came again. So Rabban thought that the nations of the world who are doing bad things to B'nai Yisrael are not God's agents. But they do it because they hate God and they want to idolatry to prosper and therefore at the end they're going to be pun- they will be punished and B'nai Yisrael will will prosper that's what that's what the Ramad says <coughs> now I'm on Hine I'm on 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 the 10th wide line in the middle where the two dots are Hine what do you think about that? Ramban says, in this shira, the shira says, things are going to be bad, and then they're going to be good. And when they are good, they're going to be very good. And the shira does not mention tonight, called the Ramban, nothing. The parish of Tshuva, you know, is in Mitzavim. Tvarim Paraglamit. Talks about Tshuva. And Avodah, Avodah is Mitzvot. We say the parish of Mitzvot is Kitetzei. So the Rabban points out an interesting fact that in Moshe Rabbeinu's summary of, of history, Moshe Rabbeinu doesn't say that Benesha will do Tshuva and then God will save them. Or that the Nei Yisrael will do the Torah and they'll keep the Torah in the Mitzvot and then God will save them. <laughs> it's not there at all. It doesn't say it. V'shavit barach yaseh baru b'tochachot chayma avolol yashbit zichreinu. There's a promise that our memory will not fade away. V'yashuv yitnachem v'yitaram min oivim b'charbol so the Ramban thinks that the parasha of Ha'azinu is a parasha that doesn't have condition. The, the covenant of the parasha of Kitavo is a covenant of conditions. If you do this, then you get that. If you don't do this, if you do bad, you're going to get that. Ha'azinu is a wondrous thing. Ha'azinu says that the course of history is determined the end is known right now. <coughs> and the end is that we will be redeemed, that the enemies will be defeated. That's what history is going to be, according to the Ramban. And in, what does Laman Shemol mean? Laman Shemol means in order that the order of the world should be as it should be, that God should be reconnected to the world that God created, there has to be B'nai Yisrael. So the Ramban is, is, is saying, the way I understand Hazinu is, <coughs> that Hazinu is going back to Kitavu. It's like saying, listen, Moshe Rabbeinu gives them this present as they are the eve of going into Eretz Yisrael. Kitavu there's no present there. That's a deal. It's a deal. And the, and the onus, the pressure is on Am Yisrael. Because they've already failed twice. Two major 
disasters. Geta Egel and Geta Maraglim. Two major disasters. <coughs> so B'nai Israel confronted with this, uh, with this covenant, uh, could not avoid thinking, they could not avoid thinking that uh, they're going to fail. Then why shouldn't they fail? So Moshe Rabbeinu says to them, <coughs> in his own words, in the parish of Azinu, and this is also what the Raman says in the parish of, uh, of Shuva, but he says it here, absolutely clearly and correctly, that Moshe Rabbeinu says, listen, don't worry about the deal. Which is not the same as saying, you shouldn't do it. Right? There's, there's all kinds of judgments that go on, on the individual level, on the family level, on the group level, on the national level. <coughs> what the Ramban says, that Moshe Abbeinu bequeathed to B'nai Yisrael this wondrous present called Ha'azinu. And the reason that Ha'azinu is a shira, perhaps, is, as the Rabban says, it's not connected to events, and it's not connected to time. And that, that in, in talking about things, in talking about things, we, we can appreciate that sometimes a, a writer or an author will talk about a specific event, and he leaves it to us to generalize to, to make metaphors out of what he's written. And usually, if we can do that, like with Shakespeare, it's a winner. Like, Shakespeare is not a winner because he talked about Macbeth. I mean, who cares about Macbeth? I mean, he didn't even exist. But even if he did exist in some Gilgul, you know, like he was some Danish something or other. But who cares? The reason that Shakespeare is so attractive, in my opinion, I can always say in my opinion, is because it can be meta- it, 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 you can create a metaphor every step of the way which relates to the human condition. Now that's not like a wondrous thing. People read Shakespeare, they don't understand what he's saying, and they read it again and again, and it's, oh... That's what he means. This is what he means. It's like, it's like interesting. Even though today, I mean, you can't get young people interested in literature, but uh, let's say you could. <laughs> so that's all what happened. That's all what happened. The poetry of Azinu is in that it doesn't have to be metamor... There's no metaphor here. It doesn't have to be reinterpreted. It's beyond time and events. It's not connected. You can't say, oh, that was then. Or that happened because of this. <coughs> this is the present that Moshe Rabbeinu left Am Yisrael as he was leaving them. So what did I give Am Yisrael? I have to give them optimism. I've got to make them think that they can do it. So what was it that Moshe Rabbeinu said? Moshe Rabbeinu said, look, there's a timelessness to history. There's an unchangeableness to it. What will be is that Am Yisrael will reconnect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the world that was created and everything will become meaningful. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu That's what Moshe Rabbeinu gave the Yisrael as he was leaving. So the Torah ends in the parish of Kisava. <coughs> the parasha ends harshly. I mean, the Torah ends. In the parasha of Kisavo, it's very harsh. Anybody who reads the parasha of Kisavo has to be a little nervous. I mean, who are we? How are we going to do this? How are we going to get there? Just as in history, after the parasha of Bechukot died, then Yisrael then went on to the Chaita Meraglim. They just couldn't see it. They couldn't see beyond the place that they were in. And they were all certain that in history, they would be defeated. They would lose, so to speak. <coughs> and so, Chaita Miraglim, what's the Chaita Miraglim? What was the source of the Chaita Miraglim? That B'nai Yisrael said, we want to just stay right where we are. This is good. 
We have Moshe Rabbeinu. We have the man. We can learn Torah. Where there's no Yetzirah. There's nothing terrible going on in the world. There's nothing, nothing that we have to worry about. Let's stay right here. Like the Hasidus, they talk about this a lot. But B'nai Yisrael didn't want to go from a world of certainty to a world of tremendous doubt. From a world where they felt that they might be able to cope and deal with the directives from heaven to a world where they were left on their own, so to speak. And in the past, they proved that they were unable to. So the Torah does not end with the parasha of Kitavo. And after the parasha of Kitavo, Moshe made a few other things, but Moshe Abedo says to them, here's the Shira. I'm going to give you the Shira. And of course the Shira is from Hashem, but, but Moshe already gives it to them. What does he give them? He gives them the timeless notion that overrides the covenant in the parish of Kitavo. It's as though Moshe Rabbeinu is saying to B'nai Yisrael, don't say <coughs> that you can't do it. Because I say to you that there's a guarantee that you will do it. And that guarantee is the parasha of Ha'azinu. That at the end of the day, at the end of the day, God has promised, after the Mabu, not to leave the world behind. Not to avoid <coughs> coming, you know, looking at the world as it should really, as it should really be. And that's what, that's what the, the, uh, the Rambat said. This last line that we, learned, we read, we chaper al chatateinu l'ma'an shimo. Right? That God needs this, so to speak. God needs this kapara on us. He has to tone us because he needs us because without us, the whole creation is, is futile. One more, one more line. The kachi skiru b'sifri g'dolashi razo sh'yesh ba'achshav v'yesh ba'la sh'avar v'yesh ba'la tid l'abo v'yesh ba'la olam hazeh v'yesh ba'la ba'la In other words, <coughs> this shira, this shira condenses all history from the beginning of time to the end of days. And we sort of know that the Ramban was a big supporter of this view. We know what is going to be. The last thing that we should look at today is on the second page. Uh, Rav Tzodok. You know Rav Tzodok? Rav Tzodok HaKoyim in Lublin. His mother called him Tzodok. His father made him a coin. And he's, he lived in Lublin. There you have it. Very remarkable person. I told you in the past that one of his great achievements was that he had very few Hasidim. So they didn't bother him much. And he was able to write these wondrous uh, books that, uh, that exist. He was not... Uh... Anyway, he wrote a book could you say for Zichronot? Which is like a connection of thoughts. He was, um, he, he seemed to believe in that. Like a stream of thought, is a stream of consciousness, right? You just like, write down what, you, what you're thinking at the moment. And, and he did that. And this is what he says. He says, He says, everybody knows this. If you look in the books of a book uh, called Sefer Mitzvot, right? The Rambam wrote one, Rav Gold wrote one, the Bahag wrote one, Monea Mitzvot, people count Mitzvot. Then there's a Mitzvot, the same Yuchayda Baktivat Sefer Torah, which we mentioned before, right? That's the Pasuk at the top of the page. Remember, there's a Mitzvah to write the Sefer Torah. So the, the, the Rav Sodek says, everybody agrees to that. Everybody includes it in the Sefer Mitzvot. Avamasha Amadalamdaha. You know, as the Tzaddik says, but look at the Pasuk. There are two Tzivuyim, two commands in the Pasuk. One is Ketvu, 
you command right, you plural command right, and the second command is Gelamda, and you singular, but it could be plural, of course. That's how it is in Hebrew. Gelamda, uh, a teacher to B'nai Yisrael. So how come nobody mentions the second command of Gelamda at B'nai Yisrael? <laughs> what do you think? The Ratzorik says, he says, really, this is an obvious mitzvah. What's the obvious mitzvah? That you have to teach this shira to every person in the nation. Remember the minute of the Rambam? That everybody in some places said Shirat Azidu every day? Remember that? So it's what it says. It's what you have to remember the timeline. Well, it doesn't matter. But you know that the Rambam was earlier in that sort of already at the end of the 19th century. It used to be the last century, but now it's two centuries ago. <coughs> he says, he says, Avol Masha, Avol Amda, Utsivum Yuchad, He's a thousand years later. Why nine hundred? A thousand years later, it sounds better. He says, a thousand years later, he says, how come everybody left this out? It says it right here in the Pasuk. Teach the Shira to B'nai Yisrael. It's a special mitzvah. He says, Kriya Nereh. He says, no. He says, I'm, I'm right. They should have mentioned this. But why not? Why didn't they? Because the Pasuk doesn't tell us how often you're supposed to do this. Like the Rambam says, there are people who did it every day. But the Pasuk doesn't tell us how often to do it. He says, so in that case, maybe it's enough to do this mitzvah once in a lifetime. So in any event, we read the Pasuk of Hazinu once every single year, right? When we read the Torah. And we'll do that this Shabbat. So he says, that's, that's probably enough. What do you think about that? <laughs> well, I see you're not like, you know, you're not walking around in the base measures of a yeshiva, but a yeshiva, somebody walked around and said, oh, I just discovered a new mitzvah in the Torah. You know, that would be the end of him for that day. <laughs> I mean, here's Ratzorok. He's sitting in Lublin, so Ratzorok says, oh, when you go to Shul with Shabbos, you're not just going to hear the Torah, but you're going to do a special mitzvah called Hazinu. Who says? I say. That's what the Ritzvah says. He says, what do you mean? Well, well, I have to defend myself. It's written in the Torah. That's what it says. It's the other guys who have to defend themselves. The people who left it out. I don't have to defend myself. That's what I'm sorry. Vinei Bamivoah. So he says, so what is this Hazinu business? I think there's a special mitzvah to teach Hazinu. Where, where, are you getting covered with the mitzvah of teaching Torah? Call it Torah Kula. That Hazinu should work on our behalf in troubled times. I guess, you know, living in Poland at the end of the 19th century, beginning of the 20th century, he knew about troubled times. Shekvar yada Hashemit barach hakol kodem v'shakol bashkarata. After all, it's a simple belief that God knows everything that's going to happen in the future, and everything that will happen in the future is somehow under God's watchful eye. Don't ask me to explain this. The Rambam said he didn't quite understand it. I mean, he thought this was correct, but didn't quite understand it, so... I'm with the Rama. <coughs> and this is the source of what we call emunah. Emunah 
faith is not faith in the existence of God. And this the Ramban says at the end of the Pasha of, of Bo. Faith does not mean I believe in God. I mean, a lot of people believe in God. That's not the Jewish position. Faith is not that God acted in history, in the past, Yitzhak Mitzrayim, for example. That's not what Emunah is. Emunah is that, every, that God is in charge. That's what Emunah means. That God is in charge. And since God is in charge, <coughs> you have to keep this idea that God is in charge always in your mouth. And not only in your mouth, but also in your heart. You have to look carefully to see how everything that the Shira says actually happened. This includes faith in, in the existence of the world. And so, uh, theologically, you'd say that, that God's will must be done. And God's will is that there should be a world. And that that world would need a group of people in it who recognized God. And therefore it has to be. And that's what faith is, emunah. That's what emunah is. Emunah is that the desire, the heavenly desire in the existence of the world must in fact be realized. There is no other, there is no other possibility. <coughs> so, there may be a difference between the Ramban and Rav Tzodak. And there may not be. But Rav Tzadok certainly knew the Ramban, and he didn't mention him in this little essay. So it would seem that according to Rav Tzadok, the Ramban is referring to the covenant at the end of Kitisa. And he's trying to, so Moshe Rabbein is trying to explain to B'nai Yisrael that that covenant does not preclude a necessary end to history. And that necessary end to history will be the Nei Yisrael understanding, the Nei Yisrael doing the right thing, God uh, leading them victoriously back to Eretz Yisrael. <coughs> That's the end of history. According to Rav Tzadok, what HaKadosh through Moshe Rabbeinu gave the Nei Yisrael as a present on the way into history, right, going from the desert into history, was emunah. What the faith, what faith the Nei Yisrael had to maintain, what the faith that they had to maintain was. And that faith was about the end of history again. That God had a design, had an intention when the world was created, and our faith is that that design will certainly uh, take place. So, <coughs> I tried to describe that these parashiyot at the end of the book of Dvarim, the parashiyot that come after Kitavo, are a little bit different. And discuss an issue which Moshe Rabbeinu perceived was liable to undermine the entire enterprise, starting from the Ovos, Isias Mitzrayim, Matan Torah. And he tried different ways to explain to B'nai Yisrael that no matter what happens, no matter how good it is or how bad it is, they can rest assured that the course of history will be maintained. And that course of history demands that Am Yisrael will be in Eretz Yisrael, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will, so to speak, have nachat from the world that he was created. And just as the Korbanot, they're called Reach Michalach, 
that they give nachat to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so too history will ultimately give HaKadosh Baruch Hu nachat. Wish you all Shabbat Shalom. Have an easy fast, as they say in some places, well over the fast. I always like that. I want to tell you something. Every doctor will tell you, and I believe doctors, 